0: Moncrief with Anna Glaze on Talk. Yes, joining us now for our weekly slot is Joanna Fortune, our parenting expert stroke guru.
1: Guru. guru. Oh, i take it, Tom. Yeah, I'll take Yeah, I knew you'd like that.
0: <laughs> um, you can get your questions into us on WhatsApp 087-1400-106 or text 53106 that will cost 30 cents or email us afternoon at newstalk.com we go straight in with the 17-year-old who won't agree on college accommodation. My 17-year-old is giving out that we want her to stay in digs with a landlady when she goes to college and it's leading to constant arguments already. We're paying for accommodation so should we insist on what we want?
1: I mean, look, the short answer to this is yes. I mean, you can insist. You are paying for it. You're her parents. She's 17. You can say put the foot down, my house, my rules, my money, my rules, whatever way you want to put it, you can. And you can certainly say to her, you know, this is what we're prepared to provide for you in year one. It's your first time living away from home. It's our anxiety that you wouldn't be okay. This helps us to be reassured. And you know what? You can spend this year making friends, connections. And if you want to stay somewhere else year after, identify it. And what are you going to do to contribute to the cost of it? Of course, you can do all of that. But I would also be thinking, you know, all of that said... Have you asked her what the objection is? Like, have you sat with her and said, look, why don't you want digs? Or yeah. what is it you're thinking about? I'm, um, I suppose I'm imagining she thinks I don't want to stay with somebody who's keeping an eye on me and I want to be living on my own. And there's something very developmentally healthy and normal about that, you know, that needing and craving independence. And maybe her fantasy was I'm going to work really hard in school. And then when I get to college, I'll, it'll be my life and I'll get the choices and I'll be able to, Decide how it is. So maybe it is about hearing her out on that and, you know, kind of acknowledging, of course, you feel that way. It's very normal, healthy to feel that way. But also sitting down with her and saying, okay, what is it you imagine? Diggs is. Like somebody isn't going to be checking her homework and reporting back on what time she came into the house. You know, maybe she has misunderstood the nature of digs, but also go through with her the options of, a, I don't know where she's going to be studying, mm. but rental properties, literally sit with her and show her how limited the options are. For college accommodation, because she may not get it. She may feel like there's this amazing apartment out there with her name on it, but you won't let her access it. Yeah. So that's the rouse. I think some of this, time comes down to hear her out, hold your line on it, but explain your decisions as well. Because I think bringing her with you is going to be much easier than her deciding digs is, is a nightmare and I don't want to do it and she's going to fight you all the way.
0: Right. I love the way when you're giving that advice, it's so calm. And you can see <laughs> yeah. a lovely calm 17-year-old sitting down. Sure, saying, I hadn't thought of it me, that way. Tell me your, your, your problems yeah. here, Mum. And Mum is just very casually saying, well, you know, darling. Whereas in reality, one will be screaming yeah. at the other, slamming doors and saying, you just want me to be miserable when I go to college.
1: Absolutely. Why don't you
0: ever want me to be happy?
1: But I think that's so important that you've said that because actually we often pick the wrong moment to have these conversations. Uh Emotions are high. We are at home with doors available to be slammed and nobody to overhear us. So we can go really loud and really wild with it. The best way to have this conversation is, of course, when things are already calm. Maybe if you're out of the house in... In a car, side by side is often a really good way to have a conversation. It's still private, but there's no way of getting out. Oh, you know, I'm you've so got to see it through. Yes. Um but also getting out and for a walk and just moving, change of environment with it. Try not to have big conversations when emotions are big at the yeah. same time. You've got even if it is about it getting to that point and saying, Look, I don't want to fight with you. I don't want to yell at you. We're hitting the pause button on this. Everyone retreats to their respective corner and you come at it later on. But even when this happens, and I think we can forget this, especially with our teenagers. It's true of all children, but with teenagers, it seems to be maybe more frequent. Yes. <laughs> that when, when, not if, there are these explosive r- discussions, what yeah. we call them, explosive yeah. discussions, um, you go back to them. And as the parent, you initiate the repair and you say, look.
0: I really wanted
1: to have that conversation with you, but all of our feelings got out of control. You initiate the repair. Always. I think repair is always the responsibility of the parent, no matter who did what, said what, started what or did it first, because we have to show our kids, no matter how old they are, that our relationship matters more than being right. And our relationship is stronger than the row. And I think it allows them to say, okay, well, that wasn't good, but the conversation isn't done yet. So we can come at it again and we can come at it again and again, because then they know to bring you the big stuff. She may not by the end of this, by the way, go how reasonable you are, high five, I'm yeah. on board now, she may not be happy with your decision, but she will understand it better. And rather than fighting you on what you are making available, it may be to put it back to her and say, well, show me the alternative plan. And okay. also but saying, look, there is a limited budget here, yeah. but you show me what you think I'm not giving you. Yeah. And just because then you're, it's happening with her. Okay. rather than to her. Um, but I imagine a lot of this comes down to she had a picture in mind as to what moving out for college would look like and you, what you're offering her is not the picture. No.
0: I have a vision of all this conversation now taking place in a car. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. No earphones allowed. Car, remember back that. the car for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <what you> love? <laughs> yeah, just in the driveway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> need to <laughs> yeah. Finish something with you. <laughs> right. Perfect. Uh, on to a three-year-old. Um, oh, I go, I've had a few of these with you and they (laughs) always they always just amaze me. Um, Our toddler regularly bangs her one-year-old sister on the head. She does this if she wants a toy she has or even if there's no apparent reason at all. We've tried multiple techniques to do with this including writing a big sign on the wall that says I must not hit my sister on the head. We bring her over to the sign each time and she reads it out and seems to think it's hilarious. How do we get her to stop doing this and be gentle with her sister?
1: I mean, (laughs) there's so much in this. I mean, she's She's three.
0: I love her reading the sign and then
1: laughing. I also love that there is a sign. Yes, me too. (laughs) I love the desperation that must have reached the point, you know, where you're like, I know, she just recited like a mantra, you know, I must not, I must not, I must not. It has that sort of image of writing lines in school. But actually, you know, she's three years old and you can write it out beautifully with the right kind of stickers and everything to it. And that is not going in there because she is a three year old child. That highly impulsive... Behaviour is very developmentally appropriate at her age. That capacity for reflective functioning and cause and effect thinking and goodness, yes, upon reflection, that was not fair to my sister. That is not there at all, no matter how many times you repeat this. So I think you have to tell her what you want her to do. Rather than what you don't want her to do. So even the language of I must not hit my sister. If you want to put a sign up, let it say I must play nicely with my sister or I am kind to my sister. I play well with my sister. Other language that is pointing her in the direction of what you want to elicit from her rather than what you don't. Because that's going to be step one. And now I'm going to contradict that and say she's three. Always remember that all the signs in the world. She's three years old. So show her what you want rather than telling her what you want. So when she hits her sister on the head, you're coming over, you're taking her hands in yours. You're coming down to her eye level, getting that eye contact. And in that gentle yet firm voice, no hitting. Okay, I know you want the toy and your sister has it. So acknowledge what's going on. We don't hit in this family. When you want to hit, hit the cushion and show her, bring her to the cushion, hit the cushion or come get a grown up. But show her what you want her to do and you will repeat that over and over and over because she's three. Okay, so redirection. Distraction. I'd always say no when it comes to hitting. Like I think yeah. you do have to begin to communicate the limit while managing your expectations of how they are able to stay within your limit. But you're going to lay down the boundary. No hitting, we don't hit in this family. And then you redirect her, keeping hold of that little hand until you have her engaged in something else and then let it go. And you will, she will get it. She absolutely will. But at the moment, that impulsivity is high. You could also play some impulse controlling play with her you know rather than don't do or do just play it out and impulse control play looks like stop start games uh things like mother may i simon says red light green light you know where you tell them they can go or do bunny hops when you say green light but they have to freeze like a statue at red light musical statues move 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 freeze And waiting for the cue of somebody in charge to say when you can go or not is all really healthy ways to play with that high impulsivity that, again, I wouldn't psychopathologize because three year olds are impulsive little people anyway. So I just think also there may be that secondary gain that every time she does it, you come to her. And you spend a lot of time with her. And then you go again and she's like, I can get you to come back. You know? Yes. Um, but she has no other way of telling her one-year-old sister, I'm displeased that you're taking my okay. toys. Right, <laughs> she's so found effective
0: ways. Stick at it and she will come around. You're, you're not mentioning treats because and, and, uh, they're really... It, it it reminded me of training a dog there at one point, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, you pull the <laughs> hand, redirect. Yes. No. Little
0: packet of high value treats You know in what? Your pocket. I don't wouldn't. really
1: think that that's going to be effective. I think all that does is, I don't know about animals, but it teaches um, children that something's only worth doing if there's a treat involved. That's exactly when what actually it teaches there's animals. There's a baseline, <laughs> <it's> a baseline <laughs> of, you know, we don't hit people, but she's three and it's hard to be three. Because you have don't have emotional fluency to express what's going on, but you do have behavior. And now you've got this one year old who is even less cause and effect thinking than yeah. you. And everything that was once yours, yours, and all yours. Now you've got to deal with somebody else in your world taking and holding what's yours. It's very hard to be three, I think, in this. It's hard
0: to be any age, if you ask me. Um, in the same ballpark, a little question for you yeah. why would a two year old cry miserably at a birthday when the cake arrives? the happy birthday song is being sung both at home and at a party group?
1: Oh, I'd be really thinking around that in terms of the sensory dysregulation that that could be. You know, everybody is in the one room together all of a sudden around the one space, usually a table, everybody's singing loudly together. There's the candle, there's the candlelight. I think, you know, and then there's the hoorays and all of that. I think that's a lot for children. So I would think about that in terms of a sensory overload and maybe when that's happening, have your two-year-old in a place where you're at the edge of the group and you can step back or step out just to create more distance between them and the noise
0: Sure Great Um, This one then Anxiety of my child being sick Um, Joanne I have anxiety and I'm a real worrier I'm trying desperately not to pass this on to my children. I have various methods of working on it, but they all seem to go out the window when my little boy gets sick. I always think something really bad is going to happen to him. I fuss over uh, her, and I keep thinking it's much worse than it is. I see parents saying things like, "Oh, it's just cold," and I wish I could think like that and move on. Um, I'm up all night fretting over him and checking his temperature. He's a boy. I think there was a yeah, the in typo there. there yeah, yeah. Um, I hate things like this, and I really don't want to pass this anxiety on to my children about illness. Any advice be welcome.
1: Oh, I really feel for the parent in this, I have to say. And, you know, my first my first thing is you deserve a space where you can really feel all of those fears out loud in a safe, contained way. You deserve a space where you can process what might be underpinning those fears. You know, what's the story underneath that? What Where does that come from for you or to work with somebody who can help you to discover that? So I would be advising you to seek some professional support in terms of psychotherapy therapy Um, you could get a referral via your gp have a look at what community organizations um, if cost is a factor because it's not just accessing an available therapist it's also the cost of therapy if it's private if that's the way you're going but there might be um, a community service in your locality that's offering a sliding scale or some therapists do that as well it's worth exploring try not to let cost be the reason you don't go because you will find somebody. It's just the wait might be a bit longer, but please do that. I was really interested, Tom, in this, that, you know, I have various methods of working on it, but they go out the window when my boy gets sick. And that really struck me because we can have all these rational thoughts and plans in place. And then it's almost like when... The thing happens, you know, when we are aroused by fear or worry, anxiety, we go into this heightened state of anticipation and that anticipatory arousal. Think of yourself like an emotional meerkat. You're just scanning your environment for evidence that you are right to feel Mm. the way that you do. So, oh, it's it's this, it's this. And that can mean that we don't see the reassuring things. And we're in that state. We are not able to access those methods those plans that we have. It's like you have flipped your lid. And when you flip your lid, the part of your brain that's offline is where all those methods and plans and logic and reasoning is located. And what's calling the shots is that heightened emotion. So the best thing that you can do in that is to get a little bit of distance, change, separate yourself from the action. So I'm not saying abandon your sick child. I'm just saying move away a little bit from there. Turn and look out a window. Ideally, get outside, get some air, just breathe in and out, feel yourself on the ground, maybe do a sensory countdown just to try and catch yourself from spiraling in the moment. And a sensory countdown would be find five things that you can see, four things you could hear, three things you could smell, two things you could touch, one thing you could taste. You're doing five, four, three, two, one while engaging your senses and then come back in. I'm not saying you'll get to a baseline, but it'll help take the edge off that spiraling anxiety in the moment. It's not a cure in and of itself. And then try to sit and go through what is what is possible here. You know, when you're telling yourself he's sick, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. He's the worst thing can happen. And then repeat that story by saying, what is probable? So give yourself permission to say, this is what I'm afraid of. And then go into a place that's like, how likely is that? Let's think and try to do it with evidence. You know, the story I'm telling myself is whatever. Now, is that story a fact based story? What is the evidence? Or is it a, a- fiction-based story driven by anxiety. Does it come from my child and my child's symptoms or is it coming from me and my fears? Just trying to catch yourself in those moments. I really think then it is about having some support to get you through that. It
0: sounds like something you need to do a fair bit, work on.
1: It's a lot of of, of work and it's really hard to do it on your own. There's some of those like certainly you could ground yourself and do that sensory piece on your own and I think that's great. But I really would go back to what I said at the start. And I think you you deserve to have professional support around this because it comes from somewhere. And a sick child is worrying at the best Under of times, no matter what's going on with them. But if you're already drive, vulnerable you to, an to hospital, anxiety, absolutely. To Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, finally, uh, my little girl's best friend has moved away, and she's taking it very badly. I'm trying to spend as much time as possible with her, but I'm really concerned about her. The friend never said goodbye. Her mother says it was too upsetting to say goodbye, which I think is so unfair. We're not in school terms, so she just can't continue on in routine. Any help for her to help her move on would be great. She is miserable.
1: Oh, two parents doing what they believe the best for their yeah. children are there. Do you know, I'm going to come at this in a slightly different way, because when your best friend moves away, that is sad and to feel sad. When something sad happens is a healthy expression of emotion. I think as parents, our instinct is to jump in and sabotage these emotional experiences because they're difficult and to say, I need to make this better. I want to rescue you from these difficult feelings. Of course, Mm. we do that, but we're not doing our children favors when we do that, because actually, if you could be with her in the feeling without needing to fix it for her, she learns that she can master these difficult feelings that she can be sad and she'll find her way through it with you and through you. And then she knows that she can handle feeling sad and sad events. And we're building up her emotional resilience and capacity in that. You know, I just think hold a space for her sadness. Let her know you understand what's happening and she's not alone with it. And then you could, you know, give that some time, but you could also stay curious and wonder with her. And again, I don't know, is this appropriate for the other child? You'd have to have a think about it. Can she write a letter or send a card to her friend, you know, become sure, pen yeah. pals in that way, share some news, post her her favourite chocolate bar to let her know, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. I remember the things that you like, but helping them to find other ways of staying in touch. Um, but I think just let her be sad because it is sad for now. Right.
0: A little bit young. for. I was thinking... Um, Social media, and so if they're a little bit young, a for little that, bit
1: young, and I think yeah. there's something lovely about getting something in the post. Absolutely, you know, there's a real yeah. nice. I, I think that's still true for any of us. But I think at eleven, you get, you're not used to getting all know, the bills and stuff. I think it's so rare now;
0: it's even more special.
1: I think so too. Yeah, think and eleven years old, you're not getting much post. So yeah. do the that. odd
0: thing comes to the house for us, and they, they, you can see the absolute delight in their eyes. Absolutely, when they see something. and
1: I think you could get really nice. notepaper paper and a nice pen, you could really yeah. make a fuss of it, and it, it's a way of holding each other in mind. But just hold space for her sadness. There is context to it. It's a congruent expression of emotion. And try not to jump in and fix it too too much too soon for her. Sure.
0: Okay, Joanna, great as always. Um, a pleasure. I'm surprised you didn't get the, the holiday question of do we have to go on holidays with our children? Um, oh, the,
1: that was more July. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, back to was, school is coming. I was the one who was going to ask
0: you. Um, <laughs> and she will be back next week. So, for more questions at 5 or afternoon at newstalk.com. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 pm. With Anna Glaze on News Talk.